Gladys and the Geek by Ben Forstenzer. Maxine Chillicloth didn't mean to start that fight, and maybe it wasn't her. But Brian Sullenton got beaten to death either way. Things are never as straight ahead as people want them to be. More complicated at the start and stranger in the middle. It's not much for calming, though, not for Randy. His fists put Sullenton underground, and soon he'd join him there, sentenced to die in the state pen. Randy's lawyer, funny-looking geek from downstate, was poring over the file, seeing if he could make some kind of clemency pitch. I was looking at the file, and Chillicloth's name kept coming up. Did she start the fight? How? Would it save Randy's life if we knew the answer? He checked every mention of her. Though he was warned in the traditional way to keep his yapper shut, Randy talked right in the parking lot of Alligator's Bar and Pub. Sullenton's blood was wet on his knuckles. It shimmered strange under the green neon of the namesake animal perched on the flashing sign at the entrance to the parking lot. Gators was an easy turn off Hoke Road, and most of the professional drinkers in Hoke worked out there. The fight started at 8.27 and was over by 8.32. Cops arrived at 8.40. Sullenton pronounced dead at 8.43. Randy was running his mouth at 8.44 to an old, angry town cop who was distant kin to Sullenton. Maxine Chillicloth was supposed to be there, said Randy. I can't believe what he'd said, fucking Sullenton. I had to shut him up. It was an admission which also spoke to some level of premeditation. Sullen had said something. Randy thought about it. He was unable to believe it. Entered into a fight with Sullenton. Killed him in that fight. There is a reason they tell you to keep your yapper shut. So, said the geek, Chillicloth was some kind of aggravating factor. If we find what her story is, maybe we could wiggle in a little clemency for Randy. Pretty straight ahead. But Randy hated talking about Maxine. Even though her name was all over both statements, the one at Alligators and the one he made at County Jail, he acted like he didn't know her now. Randy, I need to know something about Maxine. I don't know no fucking Maxine. All right. Be that way. Randy and the geek from downstate didn't get along that well. The geek had gone to some fancy law school downstate. He did criminal defense for a few years, then got on a project trying to save death row inmates from lethal injection. Randy was his fourth client and his biggest headache to date. Randy had played sports and he'd been handsome. Sandy-colored hair, chiseled features, and an easy smile. Now he just looked like trouble. You smell like flowers, said Randy to the geek. What the fuck is that? You're a dude. It's a lavender deodorant, so I don't stink. Would you prefer I smelled like I had gym socks under my arms? I prefer you smell less like a lady and more like a dude, said Randy, poking his thick finger into the geek's chest. From working out in the yard... Randy had grown stronger than when he'd played tight end. Several terrible prison tattoos decorated his arms, which were uncovered in his white prison tank top. The geek from downstate got the case after the trial and all the appeals. 
Sullington had been dead six years already, and Randy had been on death row since the last appeal failed three years past. The geek looked at Randy's booking photo. Scared, angry, and innocent at the same time. Looking up at the man before him, it was clear prison was an ugly thing. Randy, it might help your case if you could tell me something about Maxine. Anything. I don't know no fucking Maxine. Fair enough. The geek from downstate wrote a note to himself. Whoever Maxine is, she is so troubling that he refuses to even acknowledge her. Maybe she'll have remorse and be willing to talk about that night. She was his one good lead. The easy asks didn't get him anything. Web searches, paper phone books, some calls to Randy's ken. No mention of her, no rumor of her. No one knew her. School was out, and the geek called the admissions office at his fancy downstate alma mater to check a hunch. The lady at admissions told him there were two students from Hoke at the law school. One was a 1L and the other a 3L. The 3L was a young man named Carlton Ames. Hello, Carlton Ames. I'm Randy's lawyer. I'm trying to stop him from dying. Can we talk? Listen, I appreciate the call, said Carlton, but Sullenton was kin to me, so I really can't help. The 1L was a returning student named Gladys Fells. Hello, Miss Fells. I'm Randy's lawyer. I graduated from downstate. I'm trying to stop Randy from dying. Could you help me? A long pause bounced around the cell towers between Gladys and the geek. Sure. I could help, I guess. Are you in Hoke for the break? Yeah. May I come up and see you? Sure. Hoke was a four-hour drive from downstate, and the geek didn't have any air conditioning. Unpleasant. That was the word he kept saying. He listened to the radio and sweat his way through the drive. Whenever he would feel his armpits dripping, he would say the word. Unpleasant. He said it many times. But Alligator's Pub was only in one place, and it wasn't going to get up and walk downstate to him. He pulled off Hoke Road as the sun turned red over the swamp. Alligators was busy for a Wednesday. Music throbbed loudly, and no one noticed the geek's entrance. Neon alligators, plastic alligators, posters of alligators. It was an assault of alligators. The geek sat at the bar and drank a Miller. He looked around. They were upstate folk, all right. He could see it in their haircuts and boots. He could see it in the way they wore their pants. After a second beer, the geek asked the bartender a question. I am Randy's lawyer. I'm trying to keep him from dying. I need some help. The geek waited and watched the bartender's face. The bartender was shorter than usual and wore an old Iron Maiden t-shirt. He had a black mustache and a whole bunch of stubble. He looked up at the ceiling, looked back at the geek and nodded. What can I do for you? Do you know a Maxine Chillicloth or a Max Chillicloth, a woman... Randy knew at the time of the, uh, incident. No, no, never heard that name. 
There ain't no Chillicloths in Hoke. I've never not once heard that name, and Hoke ain't that big. Squinting, the geek felt hollow. Four hours of unpleasant driving to be shut down like a ton of bricks dropping on his head, and so quickly. Thanks, thank you, the bartender walked off. He called the bartender back over. Turning a yellow pad so the bartender could see it, he asked, This is a list of Randy's friends. Is there anyone missing from this list? Shining green in the neon light, the bartender's hands took the pad and moved it right up to his face. He stroked his stubble and used a finger to run down the page. Jesse Lee Fells. He was friends with her, too. He handed the pad back. Thanks again, said the geek. The geek crashed at the Super 8 on Hoke Road. He woke, showered, scared up some breakfast, and drove to Gladys Fells' house. Did you know... I mean, do you know Randy? said the geek, sitting at Gladys's green formica table. The table was in a lime green kitchen that smelled of coffee. Sun streamed through lace curtains into the geek's cup. Gladys was 47 and overweight. She had short, curly, dark hair and wore jeans and a large yellow fleece with a Hoke High School mascot, a hornet, on the heart side. Her face was broad and attractive. Her eyes shone brown. Her lipstick was bright red. She cleaned up the counter with her back to the geek. Everyone knows Randy. Randy was a hornet, for God's sake. She turned to the geek and pointed to the mascot on her fleece. Its stinger curved around from its butt and pointed out dangerously by its angry cartoon face. What did you do before you decided to go back to school, said the geek. I was a housewife. Raised two kids, but I had my college and I decided to do something with it. The geek nodded and drank his coffee. And what does Mr. Fells think of that? The geek had passed two cars out in the driveway and had seen work boots and a hard hat by the door. Gladys looked like she'd sucked on a lemon. What about him? Eyes widening, the geek shook his head slightly. Um, what kind of law do you want to practice? She sat on the lime green chair with her cup. I'm not sure. General practice, wills and trusts, some contract stuff, maybe real estate. Can I get extra credit for this? Depending on what kind of work we do, I can talk to someone about that. He took a sip. So what do we got? Is Jesse Lee Fells kin to you? Asked the geek. Oh, sure, said Gladys. Can we go talk to her? They got into Gladys's truck. It had an old brown bench seat without a rip in it. A skinny steering wheel looked even smaller in her ample hands. They bounced over the gravel driveway and got humming down the road. Two turns and barely one chorus of the country song that was on, and they'd stopped. It was a house much like Gladys's, baby blue where hers was white. Plastic toys in the yard made it clear there were kids there. Gladys knocked on the door. Three boys ran in circles through the kitchen, into the dining room, through the living room, and back into the kitchen. In rope letters, a plaque on the kitchen wall read, God bless us, and bless us, and bless us. Maybe we should just sit out back for a minute, said Jessie Lee. She was tiny, 
The geek could barely imagine her bearing a child, let alone triplets. She was somewhat bent over like maybe it had taken too much out of her. Straight yellow hair fell down over sun-brown skin, but she looked a little leathery. I work a farmer's stand most days now. You guys want some melon? No, I'm... Yes, thanks, dear, said Gladys. At the table out back, Gladys ate honeydew. So what do y'all want to know? You ever heard of a Maxine Chillicloth, said the geek? Jessie Lee took a bite of melon. Nah, never heard her name. What's she got to do with Randy? It ain't clear yet, honey, said Gladys. I miss him, she said. He was fun. The geek passed the pad with his list of Randy's friends' names over to Jessie Lee. Is anyone missing from this list? She looked it over, tracing the names with the flat end of her spoon. Doesn't have any of the girls who liked him. She smiled and handed the pad back. Well, it's a list of friends, not admirers, said the geek. Anyone we should know about, anyone important come to mind, said Gladys, putting her fork down. Lips pursed and slid over to the side, shifting Jessie Lee's whole face. She then bit her lip as her eyes looked up at the sky. Dunno, Kathleen Kist had it pretty bad for him, but they talked to her, and Charlene Fells, but you knew that. Do I ever, said Gladys with a laugh. Is that your other cousin, said the geek? That is my sister, said Gladys. Both women laughed again. The police talked to her, though. Oh, and there was Shelley Callows. Gladys stopped laughing. The geek turned to her, then turned back to Jessie Lee. Go on, said Gladys. Oh, there ain't much to say. Would have been her sophomore year, his, his junior. That was over a year before the incident. Were they together, said the geek. Jessie Lee shook her head. Heavens no, that was before she bloomed. Ugly duckling, you know. He didn't want nothing to do with her. Gladys nodded. I saw a cantaloupe in there, too. That from the farm? Back downstate, the geek stood with his arms crossed. Randy, said the geek, standing over a table full of papers. Why didn't you tell me about Shelley Callows? Is she a friend of yours? There was a new tattoo of a poorly wrought skull on Randy's forearm. It bled. Shelley Callows is a bitch. And no, we were not friends, not recently, and how the fuck do you know her name anyway? I went up to Alligator's Pub. I went and talked to Jessie Lee. You went up to Hoke? Yes, I went up to Hoke. It was hot and unpleasant in the car. I'm trying to save your life. Randy took a deep breath and leaned back in the plastic chair. He scratched at his bearded chin. Fine, all right, I knew Callows. She had a thing for me. Junior year, I, I had no interest. She got over it, so I really don't know what she would know. Jesus, you should just quit already. You want me to quit? The geek sat down and leaned forward, putting his arm down on the papers scattered on the table. You got a death wish? Is that the story? I will quit. There's an effing list of cases I can take right now, so say the word. Maybe we can even move up your execution date, get you dead already. Randy breathed in through his nose and out through pursed lips. His left leg started bouncing. No, don't. 
okay, well, I'm going back to Hoke, going to find Shelly, and I'm going to find Maxine. You got anything else I can work with? Lips pressed tightly together. Randy shook his head slowly. The geek nodded back. Thanks so much for your help. He stood and walked away. The geek chose to drive at night because of the heat, so it rained. It rained like from the Bible. The main road into Hoke was washed out, and the geek had to take an hour-long detour through Finley. He got two hours of sleep at the Hoke Road Super 8, then drove to see Gladys. It was 9 a.m. Got something, said Gladys, pouring coffee for the geek. You got something? Oh, yes. She put the mug down in front of him and went to the counter. Streaky and grayish, Gladys pulled a sheet from her low-on-ink printer and put it in front of the geek. Chillicloth. There's a furniture store in Finley with that name. Pulling hard on the hot black fluid, the geek swallowed fast, burning his throat. He coughed and picked up the sheet of paper. This is hard to read, he said. Gladys cut a piece of zucchini bread and served it on a plate for the geek. I made this for Harve, not for you, but you can have a piece. Thanks. And I can read what it says. It says an address in Finley. They loaded into Gladys's truck and got humming out of Hoke. You know I can pay for gas, said the geek. Yeah, I have a running total. I'll get you the bill when we're done. She smiled a broad red smile, her eyes flashing in the sunlight. Finley was through the swamp and over the river. It looked like Hoke, except buildings and signs said Finley instead of Hoke. That was its distinguishing trait. And of course, the buggies. Are those Amish people? said the geek. Oh, yes, said Gladys, slowly swerving around a black buggy trotting down Main Street. There were several buggies in the parking lot of Chillicloth's pine furniture. The Chillicloths are Amish, said the geek. It does appear that way. Gladys made a small smile, her eyebrows raising as punctuation. They walked into the furniture shop. Ooh, I like this table, said Gladys, and these chairs, nice. She ran her hands along the tabletop and the chair backs. The place smelled of sawdust and pine. The geek nodded, looking for a salesperson. Can I help you, said an old Amish man wearing coveralls and a dusty apron. He had a white beard and a black hat. His eyes were clear and bright blue, his smile wide. Good morning, said the geek, extending his hand. I'm a lawyer trying to save a man's life. Well, that is interesting. Do you need any furniture? The old man gestured to the items around him. I have one quick question. How much is this table with the chairs, said Gladys. The old man nodded. Good choice. The table is 600 with the chairs only 750 and we'll paint it any color you like. The geek made an uncomfortable grimace and cleared his throat. Gladys said, What? Sir, if I might ask, do you know anyone named Maxine Chillicloth, as in the name of the store but with Maxine in front of it? The old man squinted like the name had a bad smell and he had breathed it in deeply by accident. Not really a name from scripture. We don't name our girls names like that. Nodding, the geek looked at Gladys, who shrugged and said, So the chairs are less than $50 a piece? When you buy the set, yes, it's a good deal, and we'll finish to order. I'll have to talk to Harve. 
They walked out and got into the truck. Driving over the bridge back to Hoke, the geek saw shapes troubling the water in the swamp. Are those alligators? Yes, those are alligators. They pulled up to Shelley Callow's house. A beat-up black Ford Escort sat in the gravel driveway. Gladys knocked on the scratched-up door as the sun pounded the puddled groundwater into heavy, humid air. A woman came to the door, eyebrows crammed together. Hello there, uh, is that you, Gladys? Afternoon, Shelley. This is Randy's lawyer. I'm working with him through school. Can we come in? Shelley wore black sweatpants and a gray T-shirt. Her dark hair fell straight to her shoulders. Her nose turned up slightly and her lips were a little thin, but overall she was very lovely. The geek noticed that she smelled nice, too. Small but tidy, the house had few windows and felt like a clean little cave. Shelley showed her visitors to the sofa in the living room and sat on the edge of the Lazy Boy with the glass-topped coffee table between them. Her window unit hummed powerfully. A pleasant chill held off the humidity and made the sweat cool on the geek's neck. "'You were friends with Randy?' said the geek from downstate. "'I knew Randy. That was a long time ago.' "'Yes, it was, but were you friends at all?' She shifted in the lounger. Gladys fixed the young woman like a hawk would watch a vole. Sure, I, I guess. The geek nodded. Gladys breathed deeply. Casting his eyes around the room, the geek noticed scrubs draped over a chair at the dining room table. Are you a nurse? he said. Working on it. Gonna be another year. He nodded and looked at his pad. Would you look at this list of Randy's friends? He leaned across the coffee table and passed her the pad. Are we... Missing anyone. Shelley bit her lip as she reviewed the list. Then she sucked Aaron through her teeth. Janet, uh, Janet Lipsy, said Gladys. Yeah, they ran together some. The geek bent forward and passed Shelley a pen. Could you please write that name down there? I don't want to forget. She scribbled the name. Anyone else? She shook her head while looking at the list again. I don't think so. She handed the pad back. The geek looked over the list, including his new name. Do you know who Maxine Chillicloth is? Said the geek, not looking up. What? She said. He made eye contact with her. Maxine Chillicloth, do you know her? Shelley brushed the hair from her face and tucked it behind her left ear. Never heard that name. Gladys stirred. Okay, said Gladys. What? said the geek. I need to get back, make lunch for Harv. Thanks for your time, Shelley. Gladys stood. The geek looked up at her wide yellowness. He stood too. Thank you for your time, Miss Callos. No problem. Let me know if I can do anything for Randy. She shook the geek's hand. It was smooth but damp. The door closed behind them. Immediately, the geek started to sweat. She's lying, said Gladys. The geek stopped walking. Then why don't you say so? She ain't going to change her tune. That's the song she's singing. She's going to sing it. The geek walked back to the front door and knocked. Shelley came back to the door. Yes, she said in a sharper tone than she'd been using. Are you sure, Miss Callows, are you sure that you've never heard the name Maxine Chillicloth? It could be very important for Randy. 
I never heard that name before, and anyway, why would it help Randy? He killed Sullenton. Everybody saw. We execute murderers in this state, so I don't understand. Sweat dripped down his back. He looked at Gladys, who had not come to the door with him. She shook her head. He turned to Shelley. If there was some aggravating factor, some other thing that was involved in moving Randy to kill, maybe we can make a pitch for clemency. Maybe we can do something. And why would we do that? He killed Sullenton. The death penalty is wrong, said the geek. Oh, oh, okay, it is? You know what? Thanks for your time. She closed the door. He walked over to the truck and got in. Gladys joined him on the bench seating. Well, she said. What? You think she's lying too. The geek looked at the house, then down at his pad. He saw Maxine's name circled on the bottom of the sheet. I don't know. She rolled the truck out of the driveway. They pulled into the Super 8 motel on Hoke Road. I'm not sure what there's left to do, he said. Thanks for your help. I can't just keep coming up here. I'll talk to the dean about some credit for your time. He reached his hand to shake hers. Her pretty face got all screwed up. That's it? That's all? You're done? Her eyes bulged a little on the word done. There isn't anything left to do. We can't shake down Shelley. We aren't cops. We chased a lead. We tried. And here we are. Nothing to feel bad about. All right, she said. She didn't shake his hand. He got out of the truck. I'll send you my receipts for expenditures. She pulled off spraying gravel and rock. The geek went inside, turned up the AC, and turned on cable. He woke up to the sound of an open hand banging the door. Clearing his throat, he sat up and found his glasses. A peep through the peephole revealed Gladys. It was 2 a.m. What is going on, said the geek as he opened the door. Get in the truck, she said, tilting her head toward the pickup truck. It's 2 a.m. I know what time it is. She wore a black fleece with a yellow hornet on it as opposed to her usual yellow with the black hornet on it. You want to save Randy's life? He nodded in a bleary way. Then get in. He dressed, got into the truck, and she pulled out onto Hoke Road. Soon they rolled into the Hoke Middle School parking lot. What the hell is going on, said the geek. Put this on and follow me. She handed him a black knit cap. I am not wearing this, he said, getting out of the truck. She walked beyond the edge of the dark parking lot into the field behind the school. The moon was a sliver and cast the faintest of light. She walked with confidence he followed. They came to a small stand of trees, which she entered with no hesitation. Heart rate rising, the geek shook his head and sweat in the moist night air. They found a small trail. It forked twice and snaked around. Soon they were in a clearing behind a small house. In a whisper, the geek said, Is that? Yes, it's Shelley's house. Gladys continued toward the house. Wait, he said in a shouted whisper. Gladys froze, turned, and walked back to him. She was lying, I'm certain, and she isn't in there. She works overnight at a nursing home. 
In Hoke? No, in Finley. I followed her there. She left here at 10.15 and got to the nursing home at 10.52. She clocked in. I called over there. That is her normal shift. She worked there for two years. She's well-liked, and she ain't coming back till 7.50 or so. This is illegal, Gladys. I'm admitted to the bar, and you will be seeking the same. I thought you said the death penalty was wrong. She made a tiny smile that he could only see because her ample cheeks just barely changed position on her silhouette. He took a deep breath through his nose and pushed his glasses up to their proper position. Taking a handkerchief from his back pocket, he wiped his forehead. And what are we going to find in there? That's why we go in. She turned and walked to the door in the back. It was unlocked. She entered. Now just hold on, he said to himself out loud. Just hold your horses. You go in there, and who knows what happens to you. What are you even thinking of going in there? Nope, I'm not going in there. Gladys yelled, Hell's bells, who are you talking to out there? We don't got all night. Now it's safe as milk in here. Come in and put these on. She handed him a pair of rubber gloves. He took a deep breath and stepped over the threshold into the decidedly ungeeky world of breaking and entering. All right, said Gladys. I'll cover the bedroom. Careful to put everything back the way you find it. You check the kitchen and the living room. He shook his head, but took to the search, pulling out his cell phone. He opened it up and used it as a weak light. He found vintage lace tablecloths and some mortgage paperwork in the top drawer of the hutch in the living room. There were a few files of grades and school admission material in the middle drawer. A certificate of appraisal for the hutch itself was at the bottom of the drawer. Pricey, said the geek under his breath. Nice hutch. Doug started barking. Gladys! She came into the living room. I have something, she said. She carried an item in her hand. He could not make it out. Red lights and blue lights shone through the window. The dogs increased their yelping. Gladys went out the back door and the geek followed close behind. She ran for the woods and disappeared into them. Flashlights moved quickly behind them. He could hear her movements ahead of him, but she was in shadow. From the direction of the house, he heard screams. He pulled off his gloves and threw them away. Stop! Police! Freeze! We see you! This way! He heard Gladys say. The trail was more felt than seen. Thorns tore at his legs and ankles. A branch scraped along his face and started him bleeding. He took the next fork. He ran full speed and tripped hard over a log, falling into the brush and breaking several branches loudly. Flashlights quickly caught up with him. He could not see it, but he sensed a gun pointed to him as well. Get the fuck up and come with me, said the cop. I suppose Mirandizing me would be passé. Shut the fuck up, how about that? He sat in the Hoke jail holding cell, picking stickers off his corduroy pants and picturing what his boss at legal aid would say. This is not good, he said under his breath. This is unfortunate. He used his one call to call a downstate co-worker at legal aid. Well, I can't get up there today, she said. Maybe they'll let you go? I'll call tomorrow in the afternoon. Great, he said. And don't tell Doug. You betcha, she laughed and signed off. At 8 a.m., Gladys appeared at the glass door of the holding cell. She was back in her yellow fleece. One of the cops who brought him in was with her. He wore his black hair high and tight and walked with the stiff posture of a former Marine. 
that cop came into the holding cell, got the geek, and brought him out to the front desk. We can't prove you were doing anything but running around the woods at night. We don't like that. But Miss Callows doesn't want us to press charges. Don't ever let us catch you doing that shit again. Then to Gladys he said, Thanks for the coffee cake. I made it for Harv, but I'm glad you liked it. Her smile was real pretty and her dark eyes twinkled. Her hair was extra done. The geek glared at her but followed her out to the truck. So what did you find? She drove him onto Hoke Road toward the motel. I found her diary. It mentions Maxine. I took a page with me. He looked around the cab. Where is it? It's at my place. We can look at it later. What does it say? The day after Randy killed Sullenton, she wrote, I wish I'd never met Maxine Chillicloth. Eyebrows reaching for his hairline. The geek simply said, Well, shit. And Shelley knows we know. How? I called her this morning, right before I came to get you. She wants to meet in a few hours. I'll come back and get you. Exhausted, he nodded. They pulled into the Super 8 Motel parking lot. Gladys said the geek. Why the hell do you care so much about this? Gladys took a deep breath through her nose. She pursed her red lipstick lips. I'm kin to both Sullenton and Randy. They're both cousins somehow or some way. I already buried Brian Sullenton. I don't need to go to Randy's funeral too. Seems like such a damn waste. He nodded. Okay. He got out, stumbled to his door and into his room, fell on his bed, and slept in his clothes on top of the comforter. Three hours later, walking to Shelley's door, the geek noticed a red rash forming on his calf. I think I have poison ivy, he said to Gladys. Yeah, there's ivy back there. And oak. Fantastic, said the geek. Gladys knocked on the door. It opened. An older woman came out, then closed the door behind herself. Hello, Miss Callows, said Gladys. This is Shelley's mama. She had short white hair. Her frame was like Shelley's, but she was shorter. Her nose turned up a little too, and her skin was just getting wrinkled. No doubt Shelley would age well, but her mother had the matronly look upstate women get after the kids move out. She wore jeans, with a jean shirt tucked in at the waist. Her shiny brass belt buckle had a hornet on it. Gladys, she said, I believe you have something of Shelley's. I don't know what you mean, ma'am, smiled Gladys, her red lips curving up with all the innocence of a black lace bra. Shelley wants to do a trade. Give me that sheet you stole, and she wants me to give you a box. What's in the box, said the geek. I don't know. That's a tough trade to make, said the geek. How about we ask the cops to press charges? Shelley's mom smiled a hard smile, her eyes heavy and fierce. The geek nodded. Gladys, let's talk over by the truck. Would you excuse us, Mrs. Callows? Don't take long now, she said, pulling a pack of cigarettes from her pocket and removing a smoke. The geek walked behind the truck. He leaned into Gladys's ear. Pass me the sheet. We got no other move. She bit her lip and flashed her bright brown eyes. 
She shook her head. We don't have any other move. He bulged his eyes and held out his hand. She gave him the folded sheet she'd torn from Shelley's diary. The geek walked back to the door. We found this in the woods last night when we were stargazing. I sure hope it can find its way back to its owner. He handed Mrs. Callows the sheet. She opened it, checked it, and nodded. Flicking her cig, she turned and went back inside. The door closed behind her. Nothing happened. Well, sweating happened. Gladys never seemed to sweat, but the geek's back was dripping and he hated it. We should have held on to that, said Gladys. They stood still, looking at the door. We don't have endless moves. This was the best we could do, said the geek. Sweating continued. Only the sweat on his back moved. The door opened. A shoebox appeared in a hand floating in the cool dark of the inside. Gladys took it. The hand retracted. The door closed. Back at the lime green table in Gladys's house, they opened it. There were letters, some to Randy with a Finley postmark and some from Randy to a Finley P.O. box. They split the letters and read through them. The earliest dated letter was from Maxine. So she started the correspondence, said Gladys. That's what it looks like. The letters got longer and more romantic, and there was a picture in Maxine's sixth letter to Randy. The picture showed a Mennonite girl in traditional dress. She was extremely lovely of face. Her smile was comely and innocent. So this is her, said Gladys. Maybe the first name is fake, said the geek. Hmm. Maxine's first letter was introductory. She said she'd seen him play a baseball game. The Mennonites from Finley set up a farm stand with pies and sandwiches at the games. She'd seen him and was taken. He had made two fantastic infield plays and had hit two home runs. She was distracted. She knew his name. The announcer had said his name. She found his address and wrote to him. He got plenty of attention from the girls, though, said Gladys. Sure, but this was different, said the geek. Whoever heard of one of the Amish girls having a crush on a baseball player from Hoke? No other hornet ever got such a document. Randy responded in brief, thanking her for her letter. She quickly responded with a long letter filled with poetry. Two of Shakespeare's sonnets were handwritten in the letter along with some Malay. Randy loved it. He looked up poems to respond back with. His handwriting got better over the course of his 15 letters back to her. His strokes grew crisper. Each letter a small monument. He quoted Cummings. He quoted Shakespeare back to her. He quoted Catullus even and Sappho. And in letters 12 through 15, along with his quoted verse, he began to write his own. Oh, he's not going to like that I saw these, said the geek. Not exactly how a hornet should behave, said Gladys. Randy had been texting since elementary school, emailing since sixth grade. Who even writes letters anymore, said the geek. Romantics, said Gladys, reading over letter 14. It was Randy's best work, lovely imagery of longing. The sun is his touchstone. He pulled in the swamps and their deep, dark corners, and even the shining teeth of snapping alligators. 
all to speak to his desire, a whole desire for Maxine. Gladys touched her chest after finishing it. She took a deep breath. Oh my, she said. Let's go to Finley right now with the picture. We can find this girl, said the geek. All right, let's go. They loaded into the truck and were back at Chillicloth's pine furniture 30 minutes later. The same old man greeted them at the door. You talk to your husband then? The geek held up the picture. Do you know this woman, he asked. The old man squinted and held the picture. That ain't one of ours. What? said the geek. No, sir, that ain't a pattern of dress we wear. And look at the background. That's a dairy farm. We don't got any dairy farms like that down here. He scratched his head and turned it slightly. A few fragments of sawdust came loose from his hair and drifted to the floor. She looks like a Pennsylvania girl. The dress, the bonnet, the dairy. I'd say up north. The geek took a deep breath and sighed out a sigh. So did you talk to your husband, the old man said. The geek and Gladys loaded in the table and chairs. Harv says he's going to finish them himself, going to be a nice dark green, should be better than the old table. They put the furniture in the shed out back, then went inside. The geek sat down in the kitchen. Gladys served lemonade and coffee cake. Chowing on cake, the geek shook his head. Back to nowhere. Gladys stopped wiping the counter. She stiffened up. Without a word, she walked to the table and found the geek's yellow pad. She flipped down the pages where he had summarized the letters and found the list of Randy's acquaintances. She found the name that Shelley had written, Janet Lipsy. She grabbed Maxine's 13th letter and held it next to the sheet. Well, I'll be battered and fried. What? said the geek. Same handwriting. Let me see. She swung the sheet and the letter over to the geek. Maxine had quoted Shakespeare's Sonnet 19, Devouring Time, Blunt Though the Lion's Paws. Line 3 referenced a fierce tiger's jaws. Maxine had capitalized the J in jaws, as she sometimes did to make a point, or to highlight a word or line she seemed to cherish. The J in jaws was identical to the J in Janet. The other letters matched within reason. I'm no expert, and this sample is small, said the geek. But what the hell is happening here? I'm getting a sense, but I need to make a few phone calls. The sun had gone down, and with it the heat had lost its edge. Radio off, they drove back over the bridge to Finley. It was 11.30. The geek could sense the alligators below him. He could feel their teeth hungry to devour. It was their night, and he was just a visitor. They pulled into the nursing home parking lot and got out of the truck. She smokes on the job. What? said the geek. When I called the other night, they said she was out on a smoke break. They found a picnic table under a floodlight by the back door. Moths and skeeters swarmed around and tapped against the bulb. The geek began murdering skeeters as they landed on his arm and neck to suck blood. How long do you think this will be, he said. You in a hurry, said Gladys. Twenty minutes later, the door opened and two women came out. One was Shelley. When she saw Gladys... Her head dropped to her chest. Lisa, maybe you should go back in for ten. I'll come get you. You sure? The other woman eyed Gladys and the geek, then went back inside without getting an answer. They weren't exactly intimidating. 
Shelley sat at the table and started to smoke. Why? said the geek. It was a long time ago. I was young and I was angry, she said. You were in love with him, said Gladys. I don't know what you call it. I was 15. I was an ugly duckling. Boys had not been much interested in me and certainly not the star, tight end and shortstop. Jesse Lee told them I had a crush on him. I didn't want her to do that. He laughed. I watched from across the lunchroom. She laughed too. It was terrible. She took a heavy drag. So the letters, you were going to make him look stupid? My mom worked here, so I came to Finley a lot. I thought I would trick him, get him to write me back, circulate the letter. He gets to feel a little what I felt. I was fucking angry. She laughed a broken laugh and shook her head. He wrote back. I figured, let it play out a little bit. I mean, I didn't have much from his first letter back. By the third letter, he was quoting poetry. I had him cold. So why stop? I had Randy, big old Randy, everyone's favorite fucking hornet. I had him looking so dumb. And I could pull that trigger whenever I wanted. I started standing up straighter. Boys started to notice. And that's where Sullenton comes in, said Gladys. I liked Brian. I actually liked him. He hated sports and he hated the Hornets and he thought I was cool. And he did computer programming, but he also did karate. He was smart and kind of hot. And you couldn't keep your mouth shut, said the geek. You had to get some credit for the scam. Sure, I guess. I told Sullenton. I told him Randy was writing candy-ass letters to some imaginary Amish girl. I thought he'd like me more if he knew I had Randy all crossed up, that I had tricked the tough guy Hornet into revealing that he was really a pussy. Sullenton got a kick out of it, said Gladys. He thought it was a pretty good one, but he couldn't keep his mouth shut. We were all at Gator's Pub. They were both drunk. It was Sullenton's idea to say that Maxine would try to meet Randy that night. You can see it there in letter 15. It drove Randy nuts. Read his last letter. He was going out of his mind. Pretty early on that night, Sullenton and Randy got into a fight over a pool game. And Sullenton, he starts quoting letter 14 to Randy about the sun, about his desire for Maxine, about the swamp's dark corners and the shining alligator's teeth. I can't even imagine what Randy thought was going on. Then Sullenton just said, Maxine ain't even real. You've been played. And he laughed in Randy's face. She finished the cig and lit another one. She unwrapped her hair from its ponytail and then put it back up. And that was that. The tapping of bugs against the light continued. She smoked and Gladys and the geek listened as she drew the smoke in and blew it out above her. You'll sign an affidavit, of course, correct? said the geek. No reason for Randy to die if that can be avoided, right? Can I get in trouble, she said. I don't think so. There isn't much in the way of intention on your part, and Sullenton is the one who rubbed it in his face, but whatever trouble you would get in wouldn't involve being filled with poisonous chemicals in a state prison, would it? The geek gave his best bitchy smile. He kept it in reserve for talking about capital punishment. Fine, sure, yeah, I'll sign something. We'll write it up tonight and meet you at your place when you get home. 
Shelly flicked her second butt onto the dirt and stamped it out. Well, I guess I'll see you in the morning. She stood and turned toward the door. Shelly, said Gladys. Shelly stopped and turned back. Who are you writing those letters to anyway? They weren't really to Randy. I don't know. She smiled and looked down at the ground. Looking back up, she said, Someone I haven't met yet. Gladys and the Geek by Ben Forstenzer. <laughs>